0: This is the 2010 Jack Straw Writers Program. Writer Denise Calvetti-Michaels spoke with program curator Jared Lising about her work. Does a lot of your writing come from or seem influenced by the places you've been or lived?
1: I think the things that I'm writing about are about experiences I've had, but also experiences that I imagine people in my family have had. So it could be um, what was it like, for example, to be my grandmother uh, when she had her first child and she's living on this ranch in Paso Robles. So of course I wasn't there, but I, knowing what I do know of her as an elder, I try to construct what that experience might have been like. And I think that's one of the things I try to go back in my own experience, though it was years ago, and remember that challenge to feel that you belong and that this potential, this dynamic potential for learning and imagining your life is available to you.
0: Now we'll hear Denise's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. Tonight
1: I'll read new work that is excerpts from a piece that I'm calling Arcada, Russet Place of No Forgetting. And I also have a poem of American sentences that were blogged uh, when my son-in-law served in Iraq. The piece that I'm working on is a hybrid of poetry and prose. The first section is, I Know Only the Things the Birds Have Abandoned from a line, Residence on Earth, from Pablo Neruda. One. I roll down the window, wonder what I'll remember of January. Horses in the rain, broken trestles from a, brat, from a jackknife rig, pinpoints on the map, Fortuna, Eureka, Orqueda, mill workers hoisting reddish-brown timber, lumber, and the logs. The eel, the mad, the little in the Klamath rivers, we crisscross, traveling home. Whoever sees this temple of trees is stunned. Two. In front of us, the long haul truck gears down. In the back seat, the girls soothe Angie, too. Sometimes flash of light, and I wear Polaroids to handle contrasts. Grandfather Dominic, logged here, turn of the century, his crosscut saw in the basement. Whoever worked this rim of the continent was someone too. 3. Imagining the ransom, I fill my pockets with shades of gray. Trout forage the currents, dreams froth the night. Where a girl and her soldier make love, I name this river, trusting the water. 4. Leaving has two interludes, the girl saying goodbye, and the era of remembrance. This next section is called Flight to Arcata. The girl who will become my mother is dropped off at the curb. At 17 she will not remember the hug, or the words, before her mother drives away, leaving her at the airport. I want to warn the girl she'll be haunted by the knot that binds the past to the future, invisible like the fold of the gull's wing as the plane lifts, flocks of birds falling away. Today she's chosen the seat next to the window. A teenage girl with a helter-skelter cowlick of bangs she can't subdue. White frost lipstick Aunt Winnie told her never to wear. First in her family to go to college, my mother answered phones to earn tuition. But what if she had been turned away? Not experience the feeling of liberation as the plane lifts. Liberation the word she wouldn't have spoken aloud or used in a sentence. I liberate myself. I choose liberation. The phrase to mean hope in the midst of flight, there will be something more for those who run away. On a hiking trip, as we gather kindling for the fire, my mother will tell me the felt thing is true, like the green twig's arc. If poetry is her calling, it is how the pen takes its place in her hand, what the blank page means, table, window, a refuge, and the wall to rebel against, inseparable what I recall. The girl who will become my mother clutches the journal to herself on the plane. I want to tell her she'll be haunted by sensations of departure. The knot, the place, the past became dislocated. Disruption, the sound of birds she thought had no song. From here so much falls away. Through the porthole, slow motion undulation of wings she will not remember. Only the knot, and she's writing as the plane lands. I'm going to intersperse uh, the American sentences. Um, Allen Ginsberg suggests that if we write a sentence of 17 syllables, that that's a good thing. So when uh, my son-in-law was in Iraq, um, spring of 2008, for a year, um, I needed to do something. And so I posted for the first time to a blog. And these these are a few sentences that I'm going to read as a poem. One month after Michael leaves, red camellia buds in the window. My daughter calls, embassy in Green Zone hit, everyone in lockdown. Abe, an old friend with Alzheimer's, said to Bush on TV, how dare you? We break bread, last night's dinner, an act of resistance, an act toward peace. What is important but the need to wipe the counter, gather the crumbs. Wolfer, killed in Green Zone, knew my son-in-law, both married with daughters. I remember camping beneath the stars in the nave between the trees. We were a family, our tent pitched on the precipice of Snow Lake. The little one clamored to the spot where the wild blueberries grow. I didn't know I love trees, country of trails, switchbacks, meadows, secondary roads, and telling the child, these sticks will soon turn green. When I see you again, it will be when the flash flood river renders, talismans from the strewn, I'll stoop, gather the husk, the twig, the feather. The blues, he said, is the language of catastrophe spoken lyrically. I'm going to return to the piece that I'm writing um, for Jack Straw, and this is a fragment. If I begin with a storm, two of us, your eyes range of blue, each the other's desire, rebels pursuing the poet's life, entailing garret, studio, and books, something we can build on. Hours since the dance you ask and I don't remember, we'd just met sets in motion the people we become. If I begin with a story and your eyes against the backdrop, I answer for myself, making the world in a time of war possible. Uh, this next section is called Rouge and it comes also from this this larger um, lyric essay that I'm writing. I, um, I feel that what I've been carrying for a long time is this hub of this memory of the experience of leaving home at an early age to go to college. Um, and I have really welcomed this opportunity to kind of give myself a year to try to uncover what are some of the deeper layers. And I think by coming at it from different voices, it's helping me um, get to some of the core complexities of that time in my life. Rouge. I remember flying north toward the school's promise and the redwoods reaching, a girl running away. Fragrant canopy when I open the dorm window, ask the question, do I belong? The little town dreamlike between Humboldt State College and ground fog. Weathered log cabins on my way to world lit, rustling wrens in the branches. Three-story Victorians converted into frat houses in need of caulk. A New Directions paperback on the life of Siddhartha between the covers of my three ring. Perhaps what I mean is metaphorical. Stage set, pastel muted, patches of charcoal birds veering toward the horizon. Rouge red bark I scratch, inhaling the understory, russet at my feet even now. If I begin this way, with rain and trees, scent of wood pulp and salt mingling, the brisk breeze off the Pacific, this is what I remember, its essence brine on my tongue. All will come from here, a girl going to college to save herself. Why, little one, do you want to go? Nonna Jenny, my grandmother, asks when I live with her, yet keeps the screen door locked when my father appears, her lit cigarette held out like a torch, arm in a crooked position as though carrying a sign, a protest sign and shield to protect against names, accusations, la putana, Italian word for whore, because I have guy friends who know I'll listen. Boyfriends drafted into the army I sit next to in class, the linebacker I can count on to carry me to the nurse's office when I faint in first period from mono, the one who will be killed in Vietnam in three years. Long melancholy note of the train whistle from Middlefield like a bass sax when Ken drops by to show me enlistment papers that arrive today in the mail. So if I begin this with treason fog, Flocks of charcoal birds veering. The cigarette lit against the darkness. Cradle of the red forest, how it held me. Then I don't diminish the little town or the girl's story. Russet taken up in my hand. The last piece is actually called Prelude. There were birds, rain song and summer fog. Billions of coniferous needles funneling fog to the floor's mosaic of cast-offs. Antler, dung, feather, and insect wing, plated and folded within the warp and weft of twig and tinder, lichen and moss to swaddle nurse log, and the crumbs left behind by the Pleistocene ice receding. Baroque, in the way the path unfurls, implies to sculpt and chisel, sequence and pleat, weave and care, nurture, generate sounds, onomatopoeia, become the words for dialogue, parable, prayer, chant and hymn, sonnet and myth, sermon, psalm, ballad and ode, lamentation and dream, free verse I return to, unable to forget, Feelings persist, mapped on the body. Here is where I ran away. Here is where I fell in love. Here is where I said yes, took a stand. Here, the place we lived. Thank you.
0: This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lising. Music performed by the St. Helens Quartet and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve De Narrator is Alyssa Keane. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Fort Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.